All right, everybody, man, it's so good to see you guys here live at our Carney campus. Come on, man, give it up for yourselves. What in the world? I'm also saying a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at all the rest of our campuses. I'm just like many of you. Like, I binge watch from time to time. I was just binge watching some Netflix last night on this show that came out, like, like something about like how to live to 100 years old. They're talking about these, what they call blue zones that are around the world, these places where they have the, the highest capacity of people that live to 100 years old. And guess what I was so encouraged by? Although there were a number of observations that they made about all these people, one of the things that they said was a common denominator was that all of them had faith in their life, right? Now, it wasn't all faith in Christ, okay? Just want to make sure we're clear. But they all had faith in their life, but they didn't just have faith. They activated that faith on a weekly basis, joining together with others in worship. So check it out. You guys are one Sunday closer to living to 100 years old right now. Way to go, people. Way to go. It was just one of them. And I just thought, that was, I was so encouraged by that. Like, man, alive. Here we are. Man, we're investing into our own future. Hey, well, we're right now in a series called Breakthrough. Okay? And the reason is because I, I just got this, like, this hunch inside of me that a lot of us feel stuck. Or we feel defeated. Or we feel overwhelmed. We feel challenged in some capacity where we just don't feel like anything's going to change or move from here. That could be in your spiritual life. That could be in your marriage. That could be in another relationship. Right? But you're just in a place, and if you're not there now, you will be, because you once were, where we're going to be in these places that are just difficult. They're, they're challenging places, and we need a breakthrough. We need Jesus to show up in power and authority and rescue us. And we're desperate for that. And I know that many of you, if you're in a place where you need breakthrough, you probably are desperate. God, I'm desperate for you to see, to see a breakthrough in my life with this addiction or this sin issue or this belief or just by sheer issue, like maybe just be lack of faith. I don't know what it is, but I just know we're human beings and we're flawed and we live on an imperfect planet and we're going to have difficult challenges and we're going to need Jesus to bring a breakthrough. So that's why at the beginning of the series, we kind of talked a little bit about, okay, well, if you want to see a breakthrough in your life, you got to know who you are, right? And we, we, we broke down like who you are and we, def we defeated some of the ideas that who you are is like the accolades that come behind your name, the school you went to, the degree that you have, how long you've been married, right? What occupation you do, the things that you've succeeded at, all right? And all of those, we, we just said, no, 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 that's not who you are. Right? That might be your personality, it might be your accomplishments, but it's not who you are. The Bible says that you are saved by grace, you're a child of God, you're a friend of Jesus, you're full of his spirit so that you can walk in his freedom. That's who you are, and when you know who you are, now you can start to achieve and see breakthrough in your life. Then we looked at last week and we discussed the importance of believing in the promises of God. We talked that God's word's full of promises, but do we believe them? Just like the disciples, they forgot the promise. Jesus said, hey, we're going to the other side of the lake. So we learned last week that Jesus is with us and that what he says he will finish and that Jesus is walking through the storm with us as well. We can see a breakthrough. We just don't bail from the boat. We stick with Jesus because he's there with us. Amen? And, and that was good news as well. Th this week, what I want to talk to you about is this. You want to see a breakthrough in your life? Many breakthroughs come just by prayer. 
And you might go, well, duh, Jeff, that's why we're at church. But I'm just going to tell you today that prayer is, we're going to break it down, we're going to look at it more, and we're going to discuss it because our prayers don't often line up with the prayers that God's looking for from our lives. Many of us, we pray, but our prayers are only generated around our needs. God, I need this. God, I need that. Right? God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. And many times our prayers are shallow. And they might just be like the bedtime prayer, or they could be the prayer that happens at the meal. But unfortunately, as a pastor, I've had a lot of people come up to me and just simply say, you know, Jeff, um, I've prayed, but I just don't feel like God's really ever answered my prayers. It's almost kind of like my prayers are hitting a glass ceiling. I hear about God answering prayers for others, but I just don't know that he's ever answered my prayers. And that's a difficult place to be. You'd be like the college student, which, by the way, we love college students here at New Life Church. Amen? All right, guys. Hey, look, college students, there was like 12 of them clapping. And they represent all of us. So I want you to know that uh, all of us, they represent us all. Um, no, you, maybe you're like the college student who, was, uh, who had a final exam. Okay, and if you've been to college, you know, final exam, big deal, big deal. And so he was praying before it, and he was praying during the exam, and he was getting done with the exam, and about that moment, the professor said to the entire room, hey, listen, the time is getting ready to run up on the exam, and so uh, I only have one other document I need you to sign, and that would be the document that just simply says that you didn't use any outside help to, to uh, take this uh, quiz or this test, uh, this exam today. And so all of the students are turning in their, uh, their tests, and they're turning in with these documents, except for this one student, and he was still sitting there kind of contemplating, well, I don't know that I can sign that because I did ask for help. I was asking God for help before. I was asking God for help during the test, and so I, I don't know what to do. So he walks up to the professor, and he just simply tells the professor, professor, I don't think with a good conscience I can sign this. I was praying, asking for God's help before and during the, the test the entire time. And the professor said, well, let me, see your, let me see your test. And he took the test and he flipped through it. He looked at it a little bit. And then he quickly gave it back to the student. And he simply said, son, I think you can sign that document with a great conscience because it doesn't seem like God came through to answer your prayers. <laughs> You're like, oh, my heart, it sinks. <laughs> That's cruel. <laughs> but some of you feel that way. You feel that way sometimes. You feel like, I don't know, I've prayed and I don't think God's really moving, but I want you to know that Jesus takes prayer serious. It's super serious. Like in God's word, prayer is talked about as a power that's used through us. It's not from us. True prayer starts from God, by the way. It's God's will. We're praying God's will. It starts in his heart. We find it in our heart. And we pray it according to his will and, and, and in his name, and great things happen. And there's a power to prayer that moves mountains. There's a power to prayer that sees spiritual breakthrough. And today, that's kind of what we want to talk about. So to get there, let's jump in. Let's look at an example. Here, this is an example where the disciples, they tried to exercise prayer for a breakthrough, but it failed on them. And then they got kind of told on and the disciples got thrown under the bus by this guy. It's, a, it's an interesting passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 17. I want you to look at it through the lens of prayer with me, okay? So it says, at the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, meaning Jesus and the disciples. A man came and he knelt before Jesus and he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. 
Um, he has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the, wa- the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Back the bus up on the disciples. Jesus said, you, you faithless and corrupt people, speaking to his disciples, by the way, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Can you hear the frustration in Jesus' voice a little bit? Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? He goes, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, that if you had faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it would have moved. Nothing would be impossible. So, so here's the disciples with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine the look on the disciples' face when they see that guy and that same boy that had approached them when Jesus wasn't there and they tried to pray for this boy who is demon-possessed and the demon's trying to kill him. The demon's throwing him into the fire, throwing him into the water, um, just trying to destroy his life. And can you imagine what the disciples, you know, the look on their face when they saw this guy and this guy comes running up to them in Jesus and, the, and they, they, he starts to share with Jesus how he brought his son to your disciples, these, actually these 12 right over here. I brought him to those guys and they prayed for him and couldn't do anything. Can you imagine the disciples are trying to probably distract Jesus? Hey, Jesus, look over there. There's a bread shop. Um, Right? There's a coffee place. Jesus, look over there. Because I guarantee you they were embarrassed by the fact that they tried, to, they tried to operate in what they had been given, but it was failing on them. It was collapsing on them. And Jesus got frustrated with his disciples. How long do I have to put up with you guys? How long do I have to deal with you guys? Right? How much longer do I have to do that? You guys have such little faith. Now, this is Matthew's account of this moment. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, many times there will be a similar story in a couple of the different Gospels, and it now what I want to do is I want to do the same thing. I want to look at the story from Mark's perspective. So we just read it from Matthew's perspective, okay? Now I want to look at it from Mark's perspective and what happens at the very end of the conversation because I want to draw the bigger picture of what happens. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 28, Again, at the end of that story, after the, after the guy came and Jesus cast out the demon, the whole works, it says, afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Some other manuscripts add the word fasting to that. So in essence, here's the bigger picture when you put Matthew and Mark together. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you guys, you guys want to, you guys want to pray and see breakthrough in your life? You want to pray and see spiritual breakthrough for others or even in your own life? Then it requires great faith. Okay? Great faith. And, but then it also requires this, a prayer, prayer and fasting. There's prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting for what? So that you can build up some kind of a bank account that then you can cash it in and see God do a breakthrough? No. It's so that you can get closer to God, so that you can know the heart of Jesus, so that you can actually pray and function in the authority of Christ. And that's what is being said to you and me today. And so I just want to simply start out the sermon by just asking a question. Do you have faith in Christ 
for the breakthrough that you need. Where is your faith? Is your faith fully rooted in Christ for the breakthrough? Or are there other sources that you're looking for to find freedom? Now, God might use other sources for your freedom. He might use other sources for the breakthrough that you're you're looking for. He might use a doctor. He might use a counselor or whatever. I get that. But where is your faith at? Is your faith in Christ? Because, guys, we've heard this scripture many times, that if you have enough faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be cast into the sea. But I just want you to know today, that wasn't some fluffy, nice thing that Jesus said. That was something Jesus said out of frustration to his disciples who didn't have faith. And he says to them, guys, if you just had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could have said to that demon, be gone, and that demon would have been gone in Jesus' name. But you didn't have it. And so today I'm asking you, where's your faith? So I want to use this passage of scripture, and I just want to like highlight a couple of things. I really want to look at two observations that I see that make prayer powerful for breakthrough. What makes prayer powerful for a spiritual breakthrough? And the first thing that I see is this, that prayer is more than words. It's faith turned into words. Faith, faith turned into words. That's what prayer is that becomes powerful that sees a breakthrough. See, because see, here's the problem. Many of us, we pray. But we pray in a suggestive and a questioning kind of an attitude. Like, God, if you will, or God, it would be better if. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not prayer that, that takes faith and turns it into words. That's just a, a questioning heart that doesn't know exactly what my heart is doing. So Jesus is saying, look, here's what faith looks like when you pray. Pray like this. God, I speak to this sickness and I command it to leave in Jesus' name. That's a faith, a faith-filled prayer that turns, turns this like hollow words into authoritative words. It's when you stand there and you do that. But the only way you can pray that way, God, I speak to this sickness and may it be gone in Jesus' name. The only way you can do that is if you know what God's will is. Because we, we think that God you know, wants to heal every single illness and every single sickness. But throughout history, it's been proven that God doesn't always heal all things the way we think that they should be healed. Because we see an illness, we think that that illness on the outside should be healed. But many times God's more focused on the internal than he is the external in our lives. And we have some great examples of this. There are times, yes, when Jesus, he heals everybody. And there are times when Jesus is in a crowd like we have today in all of our auditoriums, and he only heals one. Like, take a look at it. I'll show you right now. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Here's an example. It says, then he, uh, That evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Watch this. He cast out the evil spirits with what kind of a command? It was simple, right? And he healed how many of the sick? Watch this about the authority of Jesus. Right? First and foremost, the disciples were probably yelling and screaming and uh, you know, who knows, maybe the boy that, that the demon was throwing the boy into a fire or throwing the boy into water. It could, man, it could have easily been that that demon took that, that boy's little fist and jacked up one of the disciples' faces. I have no idea what went down. I just know whatever they were doing didn't work. But when Jesus, when Jesus steps into a situation like that, it says that with a simple command, there's no argument, there's no battle, there's no fight with a simple command. He casts out the demons and then, watch, he healed all of the sick. 
Now that's awesome. And we think like, wow, well he did that that time. That must be his MO, right? It must be his normal mode of operation. He's going to do that all the time. But that's not the case because there's another moment where there's a crowd of sick people, very sick people, and Jesus only heals one, and it's called, it's called the Pool of Bethesda, which, side note, there's only seven slots still available for the Israel trip. Seven, okay, and then we'll be full. We will have hit our 30 number. Um, I just want you to know we're going to be at the Pool of Bethesda. What we're getting ready to read, you're going to walk through the gate. You're going to be there. You're going to see it. It's going to be exciting. So there's only seven spots. You might want to get signed up quick. So John chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, check this out. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish um, holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate, we'll walk right through it, was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Watch this. Crowds of sick people. Crowds of sick people. What kind of sick people? Blind lame and paralyzed they lay on these five porches right one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years guys watch this when jesus saw him and he knew that he had been ill for a long time what does jesus do he asks him a question would you like to get well would you like to get well long story short the man the man kind of gives an excuse but then he says, yeah, I want to get well. Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And the man picks up the mat that he sat there next to that pool for how many years? I have no idea. But he's had this, he's had this inability to walk for 38 years. Okay, he's, he's suffered with this for a long time. And then Jesus tells him, hey, pick up the mat and walk. And the guy picks up his mat and he walks away. And the Bible says that basically that Jesus just walked away from that whole thing. The whole crowd of people. There's all these people there that were blind, lame, paralyzed, but only one got healed? I mean, look, if we were the disciples there with Jesus and we saw him do this, we would probably do this. Okay, well, guys, this is what it means. Let's all find somebody. Let's lay hands on them. Let's pray for them. They'll, they'll be healed. But Jesus was just like, come on, guys, it's time to go. We did, we did what we were here to do. See, see, the important thing of praying a prayer that, that takes that takes prayer and turns it into faith that activates the power for, for, a, for a breakthrough, all comes back to this one simple thing, discerning God's will. Like, that's the most important thing. So in my, in my life as a pastor, I've come to this conclusion. I came to it many, many, many years ago, right? That I'm going to pray for people like Jesus prayed for the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus said, do you want to get well? One of the things that you'll hear me do from time to time is to simply say this, do you want to be healed? Yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus can actually heal you now? Yes. So, you have, so what you're saying to me is you have faith that Jesus can heal you right now. Yes, pastor, I do. Okay, well then I'm going to pray that prayer with you. I'm going to pray that prayer of faith. But man, if you say to me like, hey, do, do you believe you can be healed? Yeah. Uh, do you believe Jesus can heal you right now? Well, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. I'm going to pray for you different. I'm going to pray that, that God will use those doctors in a way that, you know, wows you and shows you that the authority is in Christ. But I've also met people that are basically, they're beyond that. And they're at a point where they're just simply saying, you know what, uh, I've lived a good life. I'm ready to meet Jesus. And if a person says, I'm ready to meet Jesus, I'm going to pray for them differently. 
God, would you just bless them? May these last days be their best days. God, would you use these days that you give them breath and would you set up divine appointments that they would speak life to others that are around them? Like, we gotta know what the, what the will, the, the faith is of the person to come alongside them so that we can pray a prayer that's gonna bring a breakthrough. It'd be like the guy who, I was in Romania a number of years ago on a go trip and this guy comes in and we preach and, you know, it's time to pray and this guy comes up to me. And I've got an interpreter. He comes up, he's got a big patch on his left eye. And uh, I said, what happened? And he just says, man, I, I was at work and I got a piece of metal in my eye. I've been to the doctor that can't get it out. It's infected and um, man, it's really bad and it's affecting my vision. It's painful and I just want it out. I, I just want it out. And so I said, can I see it? And he pulls up the, the eye patch and it was bloodshot, red, gooey, nasty kind of a thing. And there was nowhere else to go. And for him, he was just saying, man, my only place to run right now is to Jesus. So I remember saying to that man through the interpreter, do you believe that Jesus can heal? Yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus can heal you right now? He's like, I need it. I go, well, then let's pray. And I prayed for him, and I put my hand over his eye. And I remember we got done praying. I don't remember we prayed once or we prayed more than once. I got this gut. I've, it's been a long time. I got this feeling that we prayed a second time because I, I just kind of had this feeling that I remember him kind of like lifting up the patch and it was still the same way and I go let's pray again and we prayed again but it doesn't matter regardless that man walked away with no patch needed and an eye that looked perfectly normal and that's not because I had anything to give it's because he gave him a great gift amen that's the way God works it's God's authority that healed that man nothing about Jeff Baker He's not going to remember me or my name, but he is going to remember that Jesus met him at that church in the middle of the week and healed his eye that day, and I will forever remember that as well. Why? Because God functions with his authority to move through our lives through prayer that brings breakthrough to show his authority and so that he also gets the glory. And that's the way that God always moves, guys. But he doesn't always heal the way we think that he should heal. There's a woman, very famous, she's in her 70s, Johnny Erickson Tata, right? Uh, 17 years old, she dives into the Chesapeake Bay and doesn't know how deep the water is and snaps her neck. And at 17 years old, she becomes a quadriplegic. From, from the neck down, she's paralyzed. She's in a wheelchair. And you would think to yourself, well, how, how's God ever going to use someone like that? How, how, how can he? But that woman went on to be a... Many of you know the name because she's gone on to be a very motivational, inspirational speaker, speaks at different conferences. She's on the radio as a radio host. I mean, she has been a singer. And by the way, she's written 48 books on the principles of God and his kingdom. I, I would say this. She's making a really big impact, right? And one day, one day I heard her talking about, well, yeah, a lot of people come up and they, they pray for me. A lot of people send me notes. They say they're praying for my healing. I'm thankful for it, but I just think God's probably doing something bigger. And she's quoted in saying this, that I would rather be in the wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without him. That's profound. That's a deep statement. To recognize, can God heal? Yes. Will God heal? I don't know. It's his will. Okay? But can he use her in that situation? Absolutely. So one of the things that we got to take away from stories like this is this, that physical healing isn't always the breakthrough. 
We look on the outward. God looks on the inward. Okay? Physical healing is what we always want. God's normally more interested in an internal healing. Johnny, she had another quote, and she said this, that one problem I have with faith healing is that it tends to be focused only on the physical aspect of healing. But Jesus always backed away when people came to him only to get their physical needs met. My goodness. I mean, he he was ready to have you lop off your hand. His real interest was in healing the soul. That whole lopping off the hand thing came from this moment where Jesus says to a man, if your hand's offending you and it's causing you to sin, it'd be better to cut it off and to enter the kingdom of heaven without it than to keep it and to cause it to continue to sin and not enter the kingdom of heaven ever. And so she's right. God is always more interested in the internal breakthrough of our lives, the emotional breakthrough, the mental breakthrough, the, the healing of the heart, the forgiveness um, that breakthrough can have in our lives, whatever that is. God's always more interested in that component than anywhere else. So for you and me, we got to have discernment, discernment to know, God, what are you doing? Right? What's your will? And I want to line my prayer up. I want my faith to turn into words that line up with your will. And church, when that happens, now we start to see mountains move. We start to see breakthrough take place. Second observation that I want to make um, and help us understand how prayer, God uses prayer to be a powerful element in breakthrough is this, that, that prayer for breakthrough, it gets charged up with prayer and fasting. So l- let me explain what I mean by that. If you have an electric car these days, then you've got to plug that car in if you want to go on a journey. So you want to drive it to Omaha today, it better be plugged in. It better be charged up. It better be ready to go or you're not going to make it all the way to Omaha and you don't get to just pull off anywhere you want and get gasoline. So you've got to charge it up. And this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples when he said to them, Basically, in frustration because they weren't able to cast out that demon and they, had the, they, they, knew, they knew what to do with it. Jesus was telling his disciples that prayer and fasting basically charges you up. It charges you up. There's something about prayer and fasting that gets you closer to God's heart that charges you up so that when the moment comes, whether it's in your life or it's you praying for others, you are charged up, ready to rock and roll, to pray a prayer of faith that actually sees breakthrough happen. There's something about private prayer and fasting. That's why I think Jesus got so frustrated. I think Jesus got frustrated because what we were reading about happened in Matthew chapter 17. But if you remember certain things about the Bible, Matthew chapter 10 few chapters before this, chronologically, time-wise, before what took place where they couldn't cast out the demon out of the, out of the man's son, in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent them out two by two. Watch this. The Bible says he gave them the authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. And they went seven chapters earlier, two by two, into these communities that they had never been to before, And they walk in, they preach the gospel, they pray for people, the sick are healed, and many of them actually cast out demons. Now, seven chapters later, we're finding out that, hey, I brought my son to your disciples just a little while ago, and they couldn't cast out the demon. And um, I was just wondering, Jesus, can you help me? And that's why Jesus got so frustrated at them. 
It's as if the, the disciples forgot where the authority comes from. It's as if the disciples got comfortable and they stopped praying outside of their time with Jesus. They stopped seeking the Father. They stopped fasting. It was as if they forgot where the authority comes from. It's almost like they got cocky and confident. And I bet you that if you were there the day when they tried to pray for their son, that there was nothing mentioned in Jesus' name. I got this gut feeling that they forgot about the authority that comes in their prayer that only comes through Christ and that it comes in Jesus' name. And that's why Jesus gets so frustrated at them because he's like, guys, don't you get it? Don't you get it, right? Prayer for breakthrough comes as you get closer to me through your private prayer. Prayer for breakthrough comes as you get closer to me through fasting. And that, that kind of prayer and fasting is like persistence. It's like that thing that you do on Monday and Tuesday, just getting close to God. It's that discipline that we, we put into action on Wednesday and Thursday, just getting close to God so that we're ready when God says, now's the time I'm gonna use you. Now's the time, pray for your friend. Now's the time. Now's the time. You're in need of spiritual breakthrough. Now's the time. But we guys, we don't get charged up. And then we wonder why we don't see breakthrough. You're going to a bank account trying to cash a check in a bank account that has no money. There's nothing there. There's something about the spiritual discipline of getting close to God through prayer and fasting that God uses in our lives. And it's that persistence, persistence, so we can say it this way, persistent prayer equals power for breakthrough. And somewhere along the way, the disciples thought to themselves, well, we've seen Jesus, you know, pray and, and see breakthrough for people. And we've actually done it. We did it, you know, seven chapters ago. So therefore, we should be able to do it again. And Jesus is going, no, no, here's what happened. Your spiritual battery got drained and you got more dependent on yourself and on the history than you did on the current. And for some of us in this room, we've experienced prayer through breakthrough in our past, but we're not experiencing it now, and you're wondering if God abandoned you, and I'm gonna say this, no, it's probably because you've walked away from the basics. We've walked away from the basics. We don't control God. No, that's, that's absolutely true. We do not control him. We do not tell God what he should do. But I know this, that through prayer and fasting, our heart gets closer to God, and we kind of start getting this sense of what God wants to do. And, and that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be in that place where we've got this persistence in prayer where, God, I just want to know you. God, I just want to be obedient to you. God, I just want to be in alignment with you. And when we have that attitude, watch out because you're getting your life set up to, be, to, to see a breakthrough because of the persistence. Let me show you an example of what Jesus was talking about when he's trying to drive home this idea of persistence in prayer and fasting. It's found in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is teaching about um, prayer still, and he gives us the disciples this story. Here's how it goes. He goes, then Jesus, or excuse me, then teaching them more about prayer, all right, Jesus used this story. He says, suppose, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight waiting to borrow three loaves of bread. Which, by the way, don't come by my house at midnight looking for three loaves of bread. You do that to me, I'm, I'm going to do it to you. All right? Uh, so, but suppose, just suppose, 
Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Can you imagine if I was one of the disciples, I'm starting to laugh. I'm like, Jesus is going to tell a joke. No, he's serious. Three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But listen to what Jesus says. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking at midnight long enough, he will get up and he will give you whatever you need because your shameless persistence. (laughs) I love it. And he's so true. It's that or someone's calling the cops on you, right? It's one of the two. One of the two um, is going to go down. So what does Jesus say right after that? And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be open to them. That's Jesus teaching on prayer. What's he, what's he really trying to drive home? D- be persistent in our prayer. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Keep doing that through our private prayer because as we do that, we will see the spiritual breakthrough that God has for our life at just the right time in just the right way, but it takes persistence in our prayer. So that means somebody needs to hear today that you might be, you might be one ask, you might be one seek, and you might be one knock away from the freedom and the breakthrough that you've been looking for. And I'm here today to tell you this, that God loves persistent prayer. God loves a a dependency prayer. Like, God, I am dependent on you. And if you don't move, nothing good's gonna happen. God loves, he loves faith that's turned into words. That's what God loves. God loves sacrificial prayer, and God loves fasting. So guys, keep on being persistent. Just keep being persistent because breakthrough for healing, breakthrough for a deliverance, Breakthrough for addiction, breakthrough in a marriage, breakthrough with that, that relationship with a family, breakthrough in your job. Breakthrough is just one ask, one seek, one knock away. We just got to be persistent in our personal prayer life. So I want you to know, asking, seeking, and knocking, here's what it equals, persistent prayer for spiritual breakthrough. And we see that throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible. We're getting ready to sing the song. Lord, I ask, I seek, and I pray. And as we sing that song, I want faith to arise in you. Yes, that's right. The authority for spiritual breakthrough comes from Christ. So what does my heart have to do? My heart has to get lined up with his heart so that my prayer is his prayer. And where does the authority for that prayer come from? comes from my private time. It comes from this moment right now of gathering together, seeking Jesus just to know him and to let his authority reign and rule in our heart. And as we do that, we're positioning ourselves for the greatest spiritual breakthrough that maybe you've ever seen in all of your life. That's what the woman that had an issue of bleeding, she had it for many, many years in the Bible. She tried the doctors. There was no hope. And then one day she heard Jesus was walking close by. And so she gets out of her house and she presses through the crowd and she pushes people away. Right? And just to touch Jesus. 
persistent. She touches Jesus and she's healed. Or the friends that had their buddy who couldn't walk and they bring him to Jesus, but the house is full. And so what do they do? They get up on the roof and they're going to drop Jesus. They're going to make a hole in the roof. You know what I'm convinced of about those, those three or four guys that brought their friend to Jesus that made a hole in some stranger's roof? Is I'm convinced of this. They don't own homes. <laughs> because if they were homeowners, they would have known how expensive that was, the fix. So these are probably some young adults that have yet to buy their first home, okay? Because after that, they were probably like, man, I should probably give that guy some money. So they made a hole in this guy's roof, and they dropped their friend through, and Jesus prays for him. He's healed and he walks out of that front door of the house. That's persistence. That's what God's looking for in our lives. Will we be persistent? And will we just keep pressing in to Jesus, getting closer and closer to him, believing that there is a breakthrough that comes as I get close to him and I pray his will over my life and over the lives of others? In Jesus' name. It's always in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, be free. In Jesus' name, you know, right? In Jesus' name, I let go of the forgiveness. In Jesus' name, may my marriage be healed. In Jesus' name, right, may that relationship with that coworker be healed. In Jesus' name, it's in Jesus' name I surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name I commit my life to you. It's in Jesus' name, guys. Never forget where the authority that activates your prayer comes from. It always comes from him because it's always for his glory. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. So Lord, today we recognize that our prayer is more than just words. It's faith turned into words. And so Lord, today we stand here as a group of people, a crowd in need of breakthrough. There's people in this room that are desperate for a breakthrough right now. Lord, would you increase their faith? Would you give them the faith that Lord, when they sense your spirit asking them, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? That, Lord, their immediate response would be to you, Jesus. Yes! Yes! That, Lord, our response to you today would be, I'm desperate for you to move in my life, God. Lord, I pray that today. I pray you would increase faith to match your will. And that, Lord, today, through worship, through prayer, through fasting, that we would get closer and closer to you so that, Lord, our, our mouths don't just pray hollow words, but that our mouths would literally pray the will of the Father. And as we pray the will of the Father, then, Lord, yes, faith the size of a mustard seed can speak to a mountain. It can speak to an issue, and we can see spiritual breakthrough happen in our lives and in the lives of those that we love deeply. Thank you for that, that authority that only comes from you, Jesus. May we never forget that it's the name of of Jesus that moves mountains. And it's the name of Jesus that spiritual breakthrough happens in prayer. And everybody said, amen. amen.